This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm Melissa Moretti. Melissa, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Today we have an excellent show. We have our good friend of the show, Doug Porter, Chief Economist for BMO, joining us. We've been inundated with emails from listeners asking us if he's coming back on. And as a podcast of the people, we convinced Doug to join us again and tell us what the heck is going on. This is a great conversation, sort of a one-stop shop for everything you want to know about what's happening in the economy. We talk inflation, we talk interest rates, we touch base on supply chain issues. He talks about housing and labor numbers, and he talks about the Americans and how they affect the Canadians and what's going to happen to the interest rates. So an extremely compelling show. We're very, very fortunate to get Doug back again, always sort of unwraps what's going to happen. And if we look at back at previous episodes, they've almost hit the mark every time. So uh, so Doug's going to tell us what's going to happen in 2022, 2023. Corey, you spent most of the week up in Whistler, did you not? Were you partying up in Whistler? What was happening up there? So in Whistler, every year, they ha- there's a conference put on called ICSC, which is the International Council of Shopping Centers. Oh, wow. And what it is, is it's, uh, it's a big, huge kind of retail-focused trade show that goes on for commercial real estate. And you get everybody in the industry across Canada that comes out for it. So wow. it's a great opportunity to catch up with landlords and tenants and all of that stuff that you see throughout the year. William Wright Commercial, we have a big booth up there. So you had a we, booth. Were you, were you manning the booth? I was, I was in the booth quite a bit. Got to yeah. meet a lot of tremendous people. It was a phenomenal weekend overall. I think they said there was about 1,900 attendees at the conference. But for anyone who's been at the conference, you will know there's probably double that there because a lot of people go up for the couple days and they take part in the, the nighttime activities. And don't necessarily take part in the daytime conference, but it was a tremendous show. It was one of the busiest I've seen probably in the past 10 years. And if that doesn't tell you that retail's back, nothing will. The excitement in the air, the optimism in the air, the projects, everything. Everyone's very, very positive, very bullish on how the next 24 months is going to play out. Wow, that sounds awesome. So here's the thing. As exciting as the conference was, as you had good some as it was. even more exciting news this week, didn't you? It was, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I found out about this like a week ago. I, I, it was very much anticipated. It was very anticipated. Um, the timing of it could not have been better, if you ask me. I think it's, it's something the world's needed. We've gone through a couple of years of, of challenging times. We continuously say we are going through unprecedented times. And as you know, Canadians... Vancouverites, North Americans, international citizens. This is what we needed. Nickelback announced their 2023 world tour and they're coming to Vancouver June 28th. Wow. And, and how many tickets did you buy? Uh, I, I got a few, a few tickets to go. I, I was very excited when I got the tickets. I called my wife and I said, babe, 
I, I found the password to get them early and I tried <laughs> it and it worked. So I called her. I was so excited to tell her about it. And she said, that's awesome. Who are you going to go with? <laughs> I was going to say, is your wife as big of a fan? That couldn't be farther from the I truth. I think your wife and I should hang out. She, because she, I she, think, she probably despises them, yeah, to be honest I with you. I think we probably have the same taste in music. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's fair to say. So she's not she's not going to go. Okay. Um. So I, I do have tickets with no one to go at this point, but I'm sure I will find somebody. Matt and Adam. Matt and Adam. Someone will answer my Craigslist ad or something like that. Right. But June 28th. You want to circle your calendars, Rogers Arena. They probably come on around eight or nine, I'm guessing. I'm sick that day. Are you are you sick that day? I'm sick that day. I had two free tickets for you and your boyfriend. Yeah. We're right. we're really ill. But that's, thank you. That's too bad because if you were going to come to Nickelback, I was actually going to take you guys to Luke Combs as well. But but because you can't come to Nickelback, you're unfortunately sick that weekend. Mm. My extra Luke Combs tickets are just going to have to go to somebody else then. It wouldn't be worth it. I wouldn't go to Nickelback to go to Luke, oh, Luke Combs. You're, you're missing out. You're but missing thank you. out. You're yeah. missing out. Well, I know after right now, you mean all this excitement. What people, a great week. Well, people are people are trying to absorb. We have Doug Porter back that everyone's asked for. I just told everyone if they didn't already know, Nickelback's world tour just got announced and they're coming to Vancouver. We don't want to drag this out any further. So without further ado, let's get to our episode with Doug Porter, Chief Economist, BMO, and even more exciting news to follow. All right, let's go. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial, John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. All right, so we're here today with Doug Porter, Chief Economist for BMO. Doug, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you once again for joining us. You've joined the program before, and as I said before we started recording, we have been inundated with listeners emailing us asking, when is Doug going to join us again? So we're, we're so pleased to have you back. I know you're a busy guy. Thank you so much. For those listeners who aren't aware of, of yourself, Doug, do you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, well, just very briefly, I've uh, actually been uh, been an economist for almost 40 years now, uh, not to date myself or anything. Uh, I've been chief economist with uh, with the bank for roughly 10 years. Um, I, I started my career at the Bank of Canada, and uh, not not to boast or anything, but I happened to go to school with the uh, the current Bank of Canada governor, Tiff Macklem. You know, and hopefully that doesn't bias my views on the, the job they're doing one way or t'other. But yeah, I've been a sort of a keen student of economics for quite a few cycles now. Tremendous. Well, thank you like, once again. And obviously, like I said, we're, we're very anxious to get into this thing here. So I, I'll, I'll, we'll give you as much runway as you need. Uh, a lot of the big things that everyone wants to cover off is inflation and interest rates seem to be in every second conversation we have out here. Can you maybe uh, uh, unpack a little bit where we are from an inflationary standpoint? Maybe talk a little bit where interest rates are, and then we'll obviously ask you the questions of where do you think they're going to go? Well, I think we, you know, we can almost get to the punchline right away because just uh, recently we had the Bank of Canada raise rates by uh, by a quarter point to four and a half percent, and you know the real revelation in that announcement was that the bank basically told us that that's it for now, and possibly that's it. Period. And most of the reason why they had the confidence to say that they think they've hiked rates enough is because inflation has started to to cool. 
I mean, if you look at headline inflation, it's still above 6%. Some measures of core inflation are still around 5%. But when you dig into the details in the last few months or so, there's been a clearer slowing at hand. And as long as energy prices don't fly higher again, uh, we are almost certain to see a pretty pronounced pullback in both headline and underlying inflation in the next three to four months. Because it was actually early last year when uh, when prices really shot higher, and they're going to start those big increases are going to start falling out of the uh, the annual calculation of inflation, and just by the nature of the beast, just the arithmetic points to a pretty big slowdown. But the the underlying dynamics also suggest that inflation has started to cool. And just one little factoid I'll cite is in the latest month, appliance prices fell at their fastest rate in a single month that we've ever seen. Wow. Or now that they had a big big run up a year ago. And, you know, and they're still higher than they were a year ago, but on a monthly basis, they had this huge decline in, in December. And I think that just gives us a hint that a lot of prices for goods, especially, are starting to fade away. Now, is that driven from oversupply and supply chain issues now being corrected? Essentially, yes. I mean, you know, our view along is that all the talk about supply chains, it really wasn't so much a supply story as a demand story. It's like everybody in the world wanted to buy a dishwasher all at once in 2021 or, you know, pick your, you know, a piece of furniture or uh, some kind of appliance or something or, or even a vehicle. And so all kinds of goods prices just got extremely stressed by a surge in global demand. The, the supply chain just couldn't handle it. And now what we've seen is as things reopen, people aren't spending so much on goods or shifting back to services or, you know, you've got as many dishwashers as you need. So there just isn't as much demand. And yes, some of the, the specific kinks in the supply chain have been worked out. And so prices are basically normalizing for a lot of goods. Our concern, though, is that that's not where the story on inflation is now. Now the story is more on services prices. And services are driven mostly by wages. And so, that is, so I think the key thing to watch now is, well, what do wages do? And even there, there's a little bit of encouraging noise. Uh, you know, we're still, we're still seeing solid wage gains, but they're not shooting higher in either Canada or the U.S., and they really don't look like they're going to become a big inflation problem. So overall, it does look like a somewhat more friendly picture for inflation as, as we go forward. So now one thing that the, the big R word out there is, is, is everyone's concerned about recessions and stuff like that. And obviously, you're probably the, you probably see the front lines of how that plays itself out or whatever. Do you worry that there's going to be a recession? And if so, how mild or how bad would that recession look, do you think? Yeah, and of course, that's been the, the debate in financial markets for quite a few months now. Our, our official view, I, I have to say, we're pretty much in, in the middle of the consensus. They're looking for a, a so-called mild or shallow recession over, over the next year. Look, this is not your parent cycle. This is a very different animal we're dealing with. And one of the things that makes this cycle truly unique is the amount of pent-up, uh, I guess, pandemic savings that Canadians are still sitting on. There, there's different measures of how much savings are out there, but the, the most conservative measure suggests it's about 130 to $140 billion. That's roughly 10% of disposable income. That's a big, big number that people are, are still sitting on. And we think that that will help consumers get through this pretty challenging episode. So that's why we think it's going to be a mild downturn and not, uh, you know, not a really severe downturn. Um, and in fact, if anything, the, the action we've seen in financial markets so far this year suggests that investors are actually betting on a so-called soft landing. In other words, you know, the U.S. and perhaps the Canadian economy avoiding recession altogether. I'm I'm still a little bit skeptical of that uh, sort of Goldilocks uh, scenario, but that's that's the way investors are are betting financial markets right now. Is that we might get through this without even uh, even a mild recession. We might get through this with 
you know, just uh, just the cooling in the activity. And that's the official view of the Bank of Canada, by the way. Their uh, their economic forecast, which they just uh, published recently, uh, the, the latest quarterly numbers they came out with, still look for about one percent growth this year. That's that's sluggish, but it's not bad, and it's uh, it's not a recession. So is there any chance that, let's say, things do cool down and stuff like that, and then positive news kind of, you mean, the FOMO effect kicks back in and all that stuff and consumers are sitting all this money, would there be a chance that we might even have kind of like a hockey stick-like recovery where we kind of come to a bottom or even a plateau, for lack of better words, and then everyone gets excited and we see a surge in the economy, everything from from housing prices and, and activity and stuff like that? That's definitely a possibility. And and I would say it's you know where we would really see it would be in the housing market in particular, and frankly, in some ways, I, I think that's a that's an outcome the Bank of Canada does not want to see, because inflation has not been cooled enough yet. I, you know, as as I said earlier, while there are some encouraging signs, hey, headline inflation is still above six percent. Their target is two percent. We've got a long way to go on inflation, and so if things turned a little bit too quickly, you know, for instance. Let's say this spring, you know, home sales came bouncing back for whatever reason because, you know, there is this view that, hey, we're going to avoid a recession. That would not be good news for the Bank of Canada, you know, because a cooler housing market is part of their overall plan to basically cool the economy and, and get inflation down. So if the housing market came, you know, bouncing back too quickly, that would actually be bad news for the Bank of Canada. It might mean they'd, they'd actually have to turn around and start raising interest rates again. Do you think the target of 2 to 3% inflation is realistic anymore? That's that's a very good question. And, you know, that was an issue even before the pandemic, whether a 2% inflation target was actually really appropriate or, or not. The one thing I would say is um, it, 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 it's a good debate, and I don't think there's a clear answer. Um, is, is it realistic? I think it is realistic to get inflation back down to 2%, but it's not going to be easy. And the other thing I would point out is, you know, they actually first started targeting inflation more than 30 years ago in the early 1990s. And since they started targeting inflation, it's been almost 2% on the button on average over those 30 years. So it's certainly doable. It's certainly realistic, but it's not, it's not going to be easy to get there. The, you know, and I, th- I take the other part of your question is, you know, does it actually still make sense to aim for 2% or you know, should, should they actually aim for sl- somewhat higher inflation? And I think that, too, is a very reasonable debate. You know, d- does it actually, like, there's nothing magic about uh, 2%. Perhaps the target should be a little bit higher, but the the thing is, is it would probably be a mistake to change the target when inflation is so much above it right now. Like because in the future, you know, let's say they change the target to three or four percent, you know, let's say in the future for some whatever reason inflation got up to ten percent, um, you know, then everybody would think, well, you know, they could always change the target again, you know, and the, then you would never take the target very seriously if they were changing the target when inflation got above target. So, you know, eventually maybe it would make sense to rethink that target and perhaps even adjust it, but I wouldn't do it right now, not when we're in the thick of the battle. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You, you touched base there just briefly on the, on the housing market. What, what, what is BMO's kind of thoughts on that this year? You know, maybe just, you know, obviously we're a BC-focused podcast, but maybe not just BC, but Canada. Where, where does BMO think this housing market goes this year? Yeah, and first of all, when you look at BC, it's not that terribly different from the national average. It's actually relatively close. It's maybe held up a little bit better. And part of that is due to the fact that the national average is being dragged down like a rock by uh, by Southern Ontario, which has, uh, you know, had the biggest party during the pandemic and is now having the biggest hangover. But, uh, you know, our, our view is we're probably more than halfway through the correction in home prices nationally. 
since they peaked in February, they're down by 13%. Our, our view for some time has been that ultimately nationally, they'll drop by 20 to 25%. But again, that number is somewhat ballooned by what's going on in Southern Ontario. You know, places like London, Hamilton, Windsor, they just rocketed during the pandemic. And all those cities are now already down by 20% or more. And they're, they're probably going to correct even more so. Uh, so we, you know, we think we're we're well advanced in this correction. Our view is that even though rates probably aren't going much higher, if if at all, the market is still digesting that big run up in interest rates we've had in the past year. And I'm I'm not convinced that the market has completely absorbed that that rate increase. You know, when you think about it, a lot of people actually haven't even faced, you know, the full brunt of that back up in rates. Even people on variable mortgage rates aren't necessarily seeing higher payments yet. And, you know, meanwhile, there are all those people locked in for five years, many years ago, and it's now rolling over uh, and, and a number of mortgages will come due in the next year or two. And they'll, they'll get a little bit of an interest rate shock when renewal time comes around. Yeah, no, I, I've timed mine perfectly. I think I'll be, I think I'll be coming out right at the peak of interest rates off my five-year fixed. So I'll be, I'll be gladly getting that phone call and then probably trying to pick myself back off, off my chair when he tells me what my new rate is and what my new payments are. Uh, Doug, we talked there about the, the the housing market and stuff like that. The interest rates, obviously, we saw the, the 25 basis point increase earlier this week by the BOC there. Where do you guys think interest rates go for the remainder of the year? I know they kind of came out and they kind of said, hey, we're going to kind of halt it here. Let's see how it goes. Do you guys predict that based on what you're seeing on, on a national level that there's a chance those rates could still continue up? And then I guess the flip side is, do you think at any point in 2023, those rates might come off? So our official view is that the Bank of Canada will be on hold for the rest of the year after that uh, that small move in, in January. Okay. And and we've been at that view for some time. And and the fact that they actually were so clear and saying that they're moving to the sidelines for now um, basically fit right in with with our forecast. So it was actually gratifying to uh, to us. In terms of you know which, which way do the risks lie to that forecast, like is it more to the upside or the low side? I've been pretty consistent saying that if we're going to be surprised, it's that uh, the bank might need to do a bit more in in the months ahead. I don't totally rule out the possibility of rate cuts later this year. But what I would say is one of two things has to happen. Either inflation has to come down spectacularly more than what we expect, or the economy has to weaken a lot more than, than what we're expecting, like worse than just a shallow recession. I can't rule out either one of those things, but I don't think either one are particularly likely. So I, I think probably the most likely outcome here is that the bank just stays patient. As I said earlier, it's going to take time to get inflation from 6% close to 2 to 3%. Uh, that will take a, a number of months, maybe even a number of quarters. And our, our view is that rate cuts are probably a 2024 story, not a story for this year. And when you discuss 2024, do you guys think rates are going to come off dramatically 50, 100 basis points from where they're at now because of you know cooling inflation and all that stuff? Or is it going to, do you think it's going to be much more of a modest decrease that could take you know 24 months type of thing to try to work itself in? No, it's interesting. Once the big candy gets going, they, they tend to move relatively quickly. You know, what we've got penciled in at this point for 2024 is, is about a percentage point of, of rate cuts. Uh, and, and we think that would be four equal you know, quarter point trims uh, over over the course of that year. Uh, you know, by history, that's not a that's not a massive move uh, by by any means. And and we you know we think basically what that will do is get rates back closer to something uh, you know closer to neutral. And you know possibly possibly even by the end of twenty four or early twenty five will be uh, around the what we would consider to be neutral, which is you know something more in the twos. For the Bank of Canada's overnight rate, not not the current four and a half. 
our neighbors to the south there, obviously, they have a lot of impact on our economy and interest rates and that stuff. How do they fare over the same time period? Do you foresee them kind of mirroring kind of what our predictions are up here in Canada? Or is there anything down there that could, you know, could happen and then, you know, kick us into a bad position if if job numbers fell dramatically or something like that? Do you guys foresee anything that might happen down there that could affect us dramatically up here over the next year? You know, it's amazing how closely the bank and the Fed have tracked over over the last uh, the last year. And and by the way, it's not always that way. But the Bank of Canada has actually acted as an excellent leading indicator for the U.S. Federal Reserve. We think the U.S. is going to do a little bit more than the Bank of Canada. We've got them going another 50 basis points from here, and there's a slight chance they they do a bit more than that. I mean, the the Fed has actually so much has told us they're going to hike rates by another 75 basis points. We think they might uh, slightly cool that just because their inflation numbers have come in a bit better than expected as well. The one thing I would just... You know, for listeners to to keep an eye on, you, you're going to hear a lot more about this in in coming weeks. Is just this uh, political game of chicken that we're going to see between the White House and and the House, and that's over the so-called debt ceiling. Uh, that that could cause a little bit of market turmoil, probably you know in the late spring or early summer if if they don't come to some agreement beforehand. We we've, we've had a real showdown on this issue before back in 2011, and it led to a lot of market turmoil that uh, that summer. You know, frankly, I think as as a long term investor, it's just noise, it's political theater. But unfortunately, it can cause some real disturbance in financial markets over a short period of time. You know, as I said, it's it's basically just a game of chicken. You know, between who's going to back down first, the the white, the Democrats or the Republicans. But unfortunately, the financial markets can get caught in the crossfire, and that that could lead to a little bit of upset in financial markets. This, uh, as I said earlier, the summer just just something to be aware of. Do you think just sort of how Canada's performed over the, you know, through COVID and obviously into 2022 and 2023, do you think there's more foreign investment that comes into our country? Because it seems like we've been, maybe, I don't want to say a solid bet, but we've been much more stable than some other countries. It seems like over the past two to three years, do you see more foreign investment coming into our country? It's not really obvious. And, you know, if you look at the Canadian dollar, I mean, as we speak, it's around 75 cents. It's actually weakened over the past year, you know, despite the fact that commodity prices were were fairly solid, especially, you know, for the first half of last year, it was a bit disappointing that the Canadian dollar faded a bit. So, you know, there's certainly no sign that we're getting this wave of investment into Canada, you know, and specifically on real estate. Of course, we've got this, uh, I would say, somewhat surprising decision by the federal government to... uh, to try to block uh, foreign investment in in, uh, residential real estate. But I do take your bigger point that I do think Canada has on balance fared reasonably well. And and on the fiscal side, you know, we we often point our fingers and complain about the spending, especially at the the federal level. But government finances are, you know, especially compared to most other major economies, are are actually reasonably solid in in Canada, uh, especially versus the U.S. and, and Europe. And and I personally think that that's a longer term source of strength for for Canada. Uh, and by the way, just as a quick side note, most of the provinces are actually in better financial shape now than they were before the pandemic began. And I, I just find that astonishing. So you have a bird's eye view of, from a national level of what happens here. Let's let's play. Let's say if if I was Doug Porter, where would I be investing from a real estate standpoint? Is there a province or a market within Canada that you guys are very optimistic on, or you think that's that could outperform maybe other provinces in some aspect? Oh, I think short term, uh, you know, over the next year or two, there's there's no doubt about it. The prairies, especially Alberta, really. Well, first of all, they've held up very well in the last year. I think they will continue to hold up 
relatively well. And there's there's two simple factors behind it. One is they just didn't have the boom before or during the pandemic, so they're not going to get the, uh, the the correction. They haven't seen a correction. Calgary prices are actually above where they were a year ago. Just to give you an example, they're one of the few cities in the country. The other issue is I do believe their underlying economy is 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 still being helped by relatively high commodity prices. Even though energy prices have backed off a lot, they're still relatively favorable for those provinces. So I, I think in general, the prairies look good short term. Longer term, you know, I do like the, the winners of the past. I still like Vancouver and Toronto. You know, even even though that you know they they are going through a correction right now, they, they've still got wonderful long run fundamentals. You know, whether whether it's a, the population story or the underlying economic story, I, I do continue to favor you know the two of the biggest cities in the country. Anything that would be of concern on the horizon that maybe obviously COVID crept up on us that we you know caught everyone off guard. Is there anything out there that you think or anything that's maybe you know starting to bubble somewhere that may, may be surprising to a lot of people in the economy that may catch us off guard in some retrospect and throw a kink in the whole recovery? Well, I did mention the U.S. debt ceiling uh, drama, which uh, per- personally I don't think is a long-run concern at all, but it, it is going to make a little bit of noise over, over the next six months. I, I think what I would go back to, you know, what's, what's the biggest risk right now? If it, it, oh, and I'm not talking about all the geopolitical risks. I mean, frankly, if I'm if you were to ask me what keeps me awake at night, it's not the economy. It's the, some of the geopolitics we have to worry about. Uh, but specifically on the economy, I, I, I just have to wonder whether inflation is going to continue to fade as, as quickly as it has in the last couple months. You know, we've been helped a lot by a come down in gasoline prices. But as, as I said earlier, concern now is that services prices are going to be the issue and they're driven by wages and you know, the labor market's still really, really tight. A lot of workers want to make up for what they've missed on the inflation front in the last year or so. And I just am still a bit concerned that inflation might not fade away quite as quickly as we all hope and that the Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve actually still have to raise rates further. Uh, that, that to me is probably the big risk for the economy and for the real estate markets that you know that we're all going to find out in six months that, hey, the bank and the Fed didn't do enough and they have to go more. So all in all, if I if I hear everything correctly, that if everything kind of goes as planned, 2023, 2024 might not be as bad as maybe we first predicted it, and we might find ourselves in a decent position come 2024 with rates coming off from an economy standpoint. Yeah, I think that's that that is the main hope. And really the the thing that's gonna determine whether we have a soft landing or whether it's only a mild recession or not is is what happens to inflation. Especially yeah. in the next six months, I think we're going to have a lot of clarity on this by the middle of the year in terms of whether inflation really has broken or not. So, Doug, we can't thank you enough for joining us. I know you're a really busy guy. And like I said, all of our listeners will be thrilled to have this episode put out next week. But before we let you go, same as we did last time, we have a, a six pack of lighthearted questions we like to ask all of our guests. So we kind of get to know you a little bit more outside the office. Is that OK? You stick around for just a couple more minutes. Yeah, sure. And, and hopefully, um, I, I'll, I'll probably give you a different answer than what I gave okay. last time. The six-pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team. These are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. Okay, so first question up, and this can be the Ontario version. Favorite restaurant or bar? 
you know, in the last like three years, I've, I have barely eaten out at all. So it's almost like I've completely forgotten, you know, what, what restaurants there are, but, but in Toronto, so the, the Auberge is, is a great restaurant and, and, and I would have to rate it as, as one of my favorites. All right. You're on death row. What meal are you eating? This, this is the last one before it's all done. So it, you can, it can be anything you want. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, spaghetti and meatballs. Oh, that's a good. One. I, really, I, I would second that. I that's my go-to spaghetti and meatballs. That's the first time we've had that one too. So, I, I give that one a thumbs up. You find yourself at a bar. You've had a few drinks. Someone sticks a karaoke mic in front of you. What song are you singing? Well, first of all, I would clear the bar road um, with whatever <laughs> I sing. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. That would really clear it out. <laughs> That's a good, that's a good, again, I don't think we've had that one just yet. That's, that's a good, very courageous pick. All right. Next question. What are you currently binge watching? You know, I'm, I'm actually very new to binge watching. That's only a concept that began for me when I had lots of time on my hands during, uh, during COVID. Yellowstone, actually, I did, I did enjoy it. I completely ignored it. And then suddenly I started watching it and I went, Hey, this is actually pretty good. Yellowstone. That's come up a lot on the podcast. I've never seen it, but. I, I guess I might have. I'm with to. you. I've never seen it, but I've heard lots of people. I know Matt and Adam watched it. Yeah. They raved about it. So it seems like it's a good one. Uh, a book recommendation, Doug, for all of our listeners. Hmm. You, you know, I've actually, I've read a lot of books recently. Okay. I'll, I'll give you one that I, I recently read that I had zero expectations for, but I found myself really enjoying it. And it was uh, Surrender by Bono. Oh. I'm not a Bono fan. Full disclosure, he's roughly my age, so I could really relate to a, a lot of his uh, his upbringing, his uh, his early musical taste. But you know, he's a very interesting guy. I will admit, he's met pretty much anybody who's anybody, and he's got views on just about everything. But he's he's actually a, a very well grounded, reasonable person, and uh, I, I found it a fascinating book. I was never a U two fan, and I got dragged to a U two concert one time. I think I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. It was outstanding. It was outstanding. Oh, yeah. And I, I definitely would say Bono was quite the character. Really, really good entertainer. Kept everyone going. And seems like a very intelligent guy as well. Oh, for sure. All right, Doug, last question for you. All right. To continue that, your favorite band? You mean all time? Sure. Favorite band like ever, of all time? Ever. Anyone. If, you, if, you, if you're driving and you had one CD to play, who are you playing? Over and over again. Oh, uh, it's, it's so uh, cliche, but I... If I could only have one band, it would have to be the Beatles. I know it's ancient history, but, you know, let's face it, they were... I, I was actually debating between Queen and Led Zeppelin, but or maybe even the Stones, but no, I would... I, or even Dick Floyd, but no, I'd have to say I'd have to say the Beatles. All right, Doug, we got one more bonus question here. Uh, a piece of advice for our listeners for 2023. What can they expect and maybe what should they avoid? So despite, you know, the, the buoyant performance by the markets at the start of this year, I, I would personally still play defense a little. It, it doesn't mean you have to be hyper-conservative. I would just be, I would be cautious um, given how much uncertainty there is over inflation and, and just some of the geopolitical uncertainties out there. I, I, I'd still err on the side of caution, even with this really nice start to the year by financial markets. It's great advice. And Doug, once again, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. How can our listeners find out more about what you guys are doing over at BMO? So your listeners can always go on to our website. You don't need a password to, uh, to see most of what we publish. It's uh, just, just going to BMO Economics. 
And, uh, you know, if there's, if you don't have time to read everything we put out, the one thing I would recommend is our weekly publication that just came out this week, uh, called focus. It's, uh, you know, tends to be about 15 to 20 pages. And, uh, I would, I would say that's the, the go-to piece that we produced. Well, Doug, thank you once again for joining us. This is the third time we've had you. We appreciate it. We look forward to having you on again in the past. And thank you for all the advice as always. Thanks, Doug. Oh, thank you. And I'm I'm just sorry we didn't have time to talk about the Leafs. But other than that, thanks for having me. It's okay. Well, the, pro- the problem is, to be honest with you, we, we kind of thought those roads. But if you see how desperate we are and how poor we're doing as Canuck fans over here, we we we're got a coaching change where everything, you guys are uh-huh. almost top of the league. So we got to give it to you guys this year. So it's uh, eggs on our face again, as always. Don't worry. We'll go the same distance in the playoffs. So. <laughs> at, least, at least you guys are in the playoffs. Uh, Hopefully. Thank you, Doug, once again. We really appreciate it. Okay, thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye now. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Doug Porter, Chief Economist, BMO. I'll be honest with you. I feel 10 times better. That was an awesome conversation. It was great. And there's, there's guests we have on. And I, I'm not the smartest guy in the room by any stretch, but I do like to think I kind of know what I'm doing in my industry. Every time we bring Doug on, I feel stupid. He is so incredibly knowledgeable. Knows, you know, they've predicted so many things over the past year and a half, and we've had Doug on various times, and they've almost hit the button every time. I feel tremendously better after that conversation with him of what BMO's position is for 2023 and 2024, and the optimism that there may not be a recession at all. Yeah, Doug's the guy you just want to ask the questions and let him go. Yeah, no, it was great. We covered off a whole bunch of stuff there. Talking to a lot of residential agents lately. Yeah. It seems like things are picking up in your world. Is that is that true? Is that fair to say that things it's, are... It's felt that way, absolutely, in the last few weeks. Hoping, you know, February will bring some more inventory. That would help us a little bit too. But I think that buyer's sentiment is changing, particularly with the last interest rate hike and, yeah. and just knowing that that could definitely be the last one for a little while. I think that, you know, people want certainty. Now, do you think, and that's going to help? Do you think it's fair to say that you might see more lateral type purchases where someone goes from maybe like a one bedroom to two bedroom condo yeah. versus maybe condo to townhouse, just purely based on interest rates and the stress test? Do you think that will yeah. play itself out? And I, then- I could see that making a bit of sense for sure. I think right now people are just holding off on doing any transactions. Yeah. And, but, but that, would make sense to, you Are know. you starting to see things sell? Are things that are out there, are they the sell-throughs starting to happen a little bit more now than they were maybe the past 90 days? Yeah, I would say so, for sure. Particularly in like the lower price brackets, right? Where it's more attainable, yeah. kind of like you were saying. Like, are people, you know, moving within those smaller price brackets? Well, things coupled, are still selling. Coupled with what you're saying, what Doug's predictions are and where BMO's at, I think we're in, we're in for a good time. We're optimistic. I think things are going to work That's out That's the word really of the well. week. The word of the week is optimistic. Optimistic. And Nickelback. That's the word of every week. That's that's the word of the nation right now after they announce their tour. The whole world is going to come together now and celebrate the past three years by attending a Nickelback concert anywhere in the world. I just want to say this on air that Corey prompts me every week to ask him about Nickelback. He says, ask me about Nickelback. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this week we had something to talk about. He needs a space. He needs a space to nobody share. El- nobody else will give me the runway to talk about Nickelback. And I know... If I start because the record button's closer to me than you, you can't hit the stop button. <laughs> I have a good My 20 seconds too short. before you get up and run over and hit the stop button. So, yeah. 
All right, Corey. Good talk. How can people get a hold of you? Why do I feel like you're trying to get me off here? Just because I'm talking about Nickelback, you're trying to shoo me away. I'm just eager to go listen to their new album. Oh, well, in that case, people can reach me anytime by email at Corey at WilliamWright.ca. They can visit our website, WilliamWright.ca, and sign up for the latest and greatest news. Or they can call our Vancouver office, 604-428-5255. Let us know what you're looking for. We'll gladly put you in touch with the best broker throughout the province. We have Kamloops office that uh, officially opens next month. And then our Central Island office located just outside of Nanaimo. That's going to open the following month, late February, early March, once construction wraps up. And we've got some tremendous teams in both markets now to serve you. So that gives us seven offices province-wide to help you out. Wow. Great things happening at William Wright Commercial. And you can get a hold of me at Melissa at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com or 778-869-4477 for any of your residential needs. Great episode again this week. Another great episode to follow. Thanks so much for listening, guys. All right. Have a great week. Subscribe today. 